All right, in Joshua chapter number 5, and we're going to look in verse number 13. And of course, the book of Joshua introduces us to the promised land. And uh, the children of Israel are affixing to enter into that land. Moses is, has been gone, the Lord has taken him, and now Joshua is about to lead them over into the promised land. And uh, just before they enter over, uh, enter in, just before they, uh, they begin their journey in the promised land, notice in verse number 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? <laughs> I bet he thought that over after he got back to the house, don't you? Man, could you believe what I said to the Lord? Verse 14. And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. Oh, and Joshua realizes something here. And he fell on his face to the earth and did worship. And said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? <laughs> and the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground, and Joshua did so. We've been trying to preach on worship this week, and I want to close out by preaching on this subject, the battle experience of worship. The battle experience of worship. We do know that in chapter number 6, that Israel is going to conquer the first city, a very great city, the oldest city, they tell us, uh, the city by the name of Jericho. And so Jericho, uh, uh, Joshua is out uh, near Jericho. They're on the other side now. And he's, he's near Jericho, contemplating, thinking about, no doubt, what strategy that he's going to use to be able to, to bring this city down to defeat it. And while he's out there just walking around using this in his heart, behold, he sees a man. And it is here when he beholds him that he, he falls down and he enters into a worship experience. I believe this man to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ because there is no angel that would allow man to worship him. Jesus is the only one worthy of worship. He is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, a theophany or a Christophany, as he appears, as he did several times in the Old Testament. And so Joshua, just before this battle, he's got the battle on his mind and in his heart. And just before they engage in this battle, he sees the Lord Jesus and he enters into a worship experience. Now Joshua's leading the children of Israel into the promised land, but he's also taking them into enemy territory. 
it's going to be a war zone. As a matter of fact, it is a land in which they still fight. And there have probably been more wars fought on that piece of land than any other piece of land in the world. It is a place where they will learn the terms warfare, battle, and conquer. And when I think about the battle that they are going to enter into, I think the Scripture speaks much about the battles that you and I as Christians go through. And if you're downhearted tonight, I want to encourage you by saying that you are supposed to go through battles. We are supposed to have conflicts. Let me read a few verses that emphasize that. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse 12, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I thought about Ephesians chapter number 6. The Bible said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high... Sounds to me like there's a fight going on. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breast plate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We are in a battle. And all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, the Bible said, persecution. But there are three things that I want you to notice concerning the battle in relationship to Joshua's worship experience. And I believe that the greatest thing that you can do if you are in a warfare tonight, if you are facing hardships, if you are troubled in heart and soul, the best thing you can do is worship. Now, I want to point out to you three things about this battling experience of worship. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention that has appeared to me is this. I notice that the situation, the battle, the conflict is evidently too big for Joshua. Now, I understand he has taken Moses' place, and he is now the general or the leader of the children of Israel. But, as I notice in our text, evidently, again, the battle is much, too much, for him. I mean, he's really too small for the task. Now, I want to emphasize this importance for a few moments. No matter the battle, 
no matter the warfare, no matter what you're going through, the battle is too great for you, and you are too small for the battle. You don't want to run headlong into that issue. You do not want to uh, take that situation into your own hands. Because no matter what it is, you will certainly lose in and of yourself. Now Joshua has been commanded and he has been authorized to lead the children of Israel in this promised land excursion, taking over city after city. But before he even begins, he has to learn in a spirit of worship that this command, this ordinance, this thing that God wants him to do is impossible. He can not do it. And the way that God does that, isn't it amazing? It looks like the Lord would have led Joshua to some little old rinky-dink town and said, now, Joshua, get you." Uh, get your soldiers together and, and take it. And then Joshua and them would have took the small town, and as a result of that, they'd, man, they'd have been high-fiving each other and thumbs up and thinking, man, I'll tell you, we're good. But instead of doing that, he takes him to Jericho. And, of course... When he brings him to Jericho, he brings him to a massive, walled city. And of course, you can tell that really he is, he is by the wall of Jericho, probably contemplating how in the world are we going to take these things down. Now, I heard about a uh, new pastor that told his went into a Sunday school class and told the teacher, said, I want you to step outside. I'm going to find out how much the kids know. She stepped outside and he said, well, I'm going to give you a simple question to start with. He said, I want to know who it was that tore down the walls of Jericho. And little old boy Billy raised his hand. He said, preacher, I don't know, but I know one thing. It wasn't me. Well, he was disturbed about that, and he went out into the hall, and he told the teacher, he said, I'm, I'm a little disturbed because I, I asked a question in there about who tore down the walls of Jericho, and said, the little boy sitting on the front named Billy raised his hand and said, he didn't do it. And the teacher said, well, now, Pastor, I, I've known that little boy for a long time. If he said he didn't do it, I don't think he did. <laughs> so he gathers the deacons together. And he says, I'm alarmed. I went into the classroom. I asked the, little, I asked the class about who tore down the walls of Jericho, and Billy said he didn't do it. I approached the teacher about it. She said she's known him all his life, and, and if he said he didn't do it, she didn't think he did. And they said, well, preacher, don't get all upset about it. said, uh, even if Bill, Billy did tear them walls down, we got enough money in the treasury to build them back. But you know, I, when I think about what uh, Joshua is facing here in chapter number 5, it's not really a laughing matter. Uh, the archaeologists tell us, and historians, 
that there were actually two walls that went around that city. There was an inner wall that was uh, six feet thick and 20 feet high. Then there was a space of 12 feet and an outer wall, and the outer wall was uh, 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. Now, you may wonder, as I have, how in the world did they know what size the walls were? And, of course, they supposedly have dug it up. But I want to give you the heart of the, the spies that went and spied out the land, the first ones to see these walls when Moses sent the spies in. You remember that? They came back with their report. Now, let's find out what they said. In Numbers chapter number 13, said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And they emphasized that so much that they had a boat, and they boated down going in there because they come to the conclusion there was no way to take those walls down. It was an impossible situation. And somebody said, well, you know, we can't believe the, uh, uh, those, the historians. We don't know if they really saw, could tell how big the walls are, were. And, and we, can't, we can't believe the spies because, you know, they may have just seen things out of proportion. I figured you might think that. So I wanted to give you what Moses had to say about it. Moses said, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. Great cities fenced up to the heavens. <laughs> Can you imagine that? When the children of Israel first crossed the Jordan River, honey, and God had given the command of what was going to happen, the first thing they come to is a massive city beyond any comprehension, and certainly their hearts were filled with fear, and they were trying to figure out how do you take a city like that? Well, I'm going to tell you right up front, you don't. And I'm going to tell you right up front, you can't. Because it's impossible to bring those walled cities down. Somebody said, well, if it is impossible, then why did God command them to do so? Well, have you ever noticed in the Bible that God gave a lot of commands? But no command did he ever give that he ever expected man to keep. Isn't that odd? He always gave commands that were beyond man's ability. What about the Ten Commandments? What about the law of the Old Testament? What about all of those commandments that he gave the children of Israel? Did he expect that they would be able to keep those? No, Romans, Paul said in Romans that he gave those commandments and those laws that, that all of men's mouths may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. He gave all those commands so that every man might know that there was no way that he could measure up to the righteousness of God. And so therefore he had to look to another that was righteous. 
the Lord Jesus is the only one that ever kept all those commands. You know, that's true in the New Testament also. Did you know there are a lot of New Testament commands? Love your enemies. You like that one? Have you ever tried it? If you've ever tried it, it's like those walls of Jericho. You have found it is impossible. Huh? Walk in the Spirit. How do you do that? You ever tried it? You see, the truth of the matter is the totality of the Christian life is impossible. You've got to have somebody be on yourself if it happens. Somebody said, God will never ask you to do something you can't do. That's stupid. Because if you could do it, you wouldn't need him. He will always, every single time, put you in a situation demanding of you more than you can give. Because he wants to see that you can't do it. He doesn't want you to succeed. Because that's where the Pharisees were born. At the moment in time that you think you can, you have graduated. You are now a number one Pharisee. Well, I'll tell you right now, I quit. I'm faithful. <laughs> and all heaven says, yuck. Honey, the Christian life, as Paul said concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is Christ in you. The Bible said the hope of glory. And I want to tell you tonight, I might as well say it up front. I don't care what you're trying to do in your life. I don't care what the battles that you are coming up against. I don't care what you're striving for. You can't do it. The sooner the better. As the Apostle Paul cried out concerning this plan, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this flesh? We are insufficient in and of ourselves to accomplish the task. And this is the first thing that he learns in this atmosphere of worship as he comes into the presence of one that is greater than he. He realizes as he has to turn the reins over that evidently he just can't do it. <laughs> Does it offend you that Jesus is bigger than you are? Does that upset you? See, honey, he gave you them youngins so you could learn you can't raise youngins. You know that? He let me pastor a Baptist church so I could learn I can't pastor a Baptist church. He sent me out into evangelism so he could teach me that I can't preach. Isn't that odd? I figured he'd put me out here so I could find out I could. <laughs> Before the long I go, I say to the Lord after about every meeting, Lord, I can't preach. He said, I know that. You know that, but don't worry about it until they find out. 
Joshua cannot take these walls. The children of Israel cannot take these walls. We cannot do this. You are hopeless. You are hopeless. You just can't do it. That's all there is to it. I say to you, the situation's too big and you're too small. But the second thing that I want to show you that happens in this atmosphere of worship when the battle is fixing to rage, not only do you see the insufficiency of yourself, and thank God for the day that you see that, but you in turn, you will not only see how little you are, you will not only see that you are too small, but you will also see that he is quite able to do what needs to be done. This is not a vision. He is actually seeing this man there. And he's setting his eyes upon him. And in setting his eyes upon him, he is looking beyond the walled towers of Jericho. The songwriter said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look at him full in the face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. The thing that I need to see in the midst of this Worship experience is not only how little I am, but how big He is. How great He is. For you see, He's in control. Notice what the Scripture says. In verse 13, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. <laughs> He's ready for the task that is at hand. You see, while Joshua doesn't know what's going to happen and transpire, nor how to do it, the man that is standing there that is none other than the Lord Jesus, he's already got the situation under control. He is in control of the enemy. He's not worried about all of that over there. He knows what he's going to do. Has his sword, sword drawn. You see, it's amazing how he appears to us according to how we need him. He is not only the lamb, but he is our lion to defeat our enemy. And why you cannot, he can. You understand that? That's a good news. I've done spent 15 minutes to tell you how weak and low down and incapable and insufficient you are. But I want to take a minute to tell you he is able. Whatever the situation, he is able. <laughs> Paul said he's not only able but he can do it feeding abundantly above all you can ever ask of him he can move into your situation and I'm going to tell you whatever that situation is he's more than enough for it and 
I'm going to tell you, if I never saw my littleness, I would never appreciate his bigness. I need him. And he is in control. But not only is he in control as far as the enemy is concerned, but I notice here he is in charge as far as Joshua is concerned. Now we don't mind the Lord showing up getting them sinners, do we? <laughs> get them, Lord, get them. Sick them. But he's not here just to get them sinners. He's here to take charge as far as the saints are concerned. Joshua has been the general in the situation out in front. He is the leader. He's the man that everybody's looking to. They're looking to him for the answers as to what they need to do on the morrow. He is the one that is going to lead them into this victory. He gets all of the salutes until the Lord Jesus shows up. And honey, he loses his stripes quick. Notice what the Bible says. Oh, he doesn't understand in verse 13 when he first asks him. But he comes back. Here's what the angel of the Lord comes back. Here's what the Lord says. He said, no. Did you on this side or on that side? Sound like a church split, don't it? I've seen those where everybody claimed he's on their side. This, everybody's, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. Now, don't look at me, Mr. Pius. You've been that way. I'm right and she's wrong. But notice he's not there to join sides. <laughs> he's not on your side tonight. He's not getting behind you while you lead him into some venture. Come on, Lord. Let's get him. Honey, he is in your life. Not to help you along, not to pray with you, not to be your co-pilot. He is in your life. He has shown up to take over. You salute him from now on. You even bow to him. Joshua said, excuse me, Lord. <laughs> oh, he said, I ain't on that side. I ain't on this side. I've come. I'm the captain, boy. And the thing about a real, genuine, Holy Ghost filled child of God, you always recognize our captain. He will humble you, and you will gladly bow and say, Yes, Lord. Look what he said. Yea, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua, but I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I can't let you lead this one. This job's bigger than you can handle. 
Have you ever come to that conclusion in your life? This job's bigger than you can handle. Boy, I have. So many times I've found out it's bigger than I can handle. Joshua! You can't do it, boy. Not this, you, you just can't do it. So I've come to take this situation over. Oh, it would be a blessed day if you'd let him take charge of your life and take that situation over. Oh, listen. <laughs> he is on the scene. And I notice that Joshua does. He surrenders the situation to him. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. <laughs> he said, I ain't got time to fight. I got to worship. I think that's a pretty good advice. You need to lay your sword down. You don't need one know-how. He's got one. You need to forget about trying to win this war. You need to worship. Now, honey, if you'll worship, he'll take care of the war. He'll win the battle in your life if you ever get plugged into who he is. Bow on his feet. Just hang around down there until you know he's taking control of your situation. Oh, and you can rise up with blessed assurance, knowing that everything's all right. He surrenders the situation. He fell on his face to the earth and he did worship and said unto him, What said my Lord under his... <laughs> General? No. His servant. Oh, boy. He, in worship, how we... In worship, how we recognize his greatness and how blessed it is. And it's just as if he's saying, Oh, God, I'm sure glad you showed up. I didn't know what to do to start with. Oh, I'm more than happy to let you have this situation. See, God will put you in such fixes, and then you'll try to handle those fixes, and finally when you get to the end of them, he'll show up, and then you'll be willing to let him have them. Yeah. He is so able. He surrenders the situation. He surrenders his standing as he bows before him. He even surrenders his shoes. Honey, Joshua's good. He is so able. We are so small. But the last thing I'd want you to notice in this experience of worship, while the battle is fixing to take place, and all, all we're having some battles tonight, and if somehow we could worship a little bit, in the stillness of that worship, the Son of God could show up. And say to us, son, that's all right. You, you, you can't do it. Just rest. And I'll do it. I'll do it. But in the battle experience that he has, I want you to notice, man, this, this blessed my heart. Not only is this, this situation impossible, too big, not only is Joshua so small, he can't handle the situation. Not only is Jesus so great that he can do anything. But did you notice 
how that when it all ends up, the job is just so simple? Man! I mean, they're going to march in against this huge city. Now, what would be your plans on taking a city down? Now, just a moment. Now, just think with me a moment. If you were, had, if you were a general and you had a huge, massive wall to take down, how would you bring it down? Hmm? Why, you'd have to build some kind of a machine <laughs> that throw them heavy rocks and soar through the sky and hit on the side of it and break it a little bit of time. Or you might be able to somehow get you a battering ram and get you about a hundred men on one of them just running against them doors. You could do that. But I wonder how long it'd take a battering ram to tear down a wall that's 12 foot thick and 30 feet high. As Moses said, went up to the sky. It'd take a long time, wouldn't it? Or even if you had one of them things that threw rocks, how long would it take you to get that, get that down? <laughs> that's what Joshua was thinking about while he was out there walking around, I'm sure. And haven't you tried to think about how to fix your problem? Have you been working on it? Huh? If your dam's breaking, you're getting a leak here and a leak here and a leak here and a leak here. And are you trying to patch it up? Boy, don't we constantly try to figure out a way to fix our situation? We somehow just can't realize that the situation is not repairable. It is not capable of being fixed. We just keep on trying. Keep on trying. That's a big job. But did you notice how them walls came down? <laughs> the chief said, here's what I want you to do. The boys are going to keep it simple. Oh, your pastor said last night, and I say to you again tonight, the Christian life is simple. You just got to let him be in charge. And he knows how to do it without a lot of effort. Huh? He said, here's the way you do it. You just take my ark, put it out in front, get them priests out there carrying it, and let the people fall in behind and walk around that city wall one time for one day. Do that six days in a row. Then on the seventh day, you line up and you go around it seven times. <laughs> Even I can do that. And then said, you blow on that trumpet and shout. <laughs> Honey, I don't mind that kind of service. Just run around that thing about 13 times, blow your whistle and say, Whoo! <laughs> that almost makes it fun. That takes the stress out of it, doesn't it? Listen, really, the situations you're going through are real. Yeah, you don't want to hear this because you, you know, you've been able to complain. We all like to do that. I do too. 
But I, I got a secret for you. What you're going through is real simple. If you get it in the right hands. And you, I'm going to tell you something else. Smart as you are, you'd have never thought of it. <laughs> huh? You'd had all them soldiers out there training, making all them weapons and, and all that other stuff. It'd have took you a year and a half to even got started. The Lord's ways are not our ways. He's already got your situation figured out. He knows how to bring those walls down. He knows how to take charge in your situation. He can do it and only He can do it. But thank God He's able to do it. He just got simple words and simple ways. And while Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That's why he often asked Simon and them other boys who were trained fishermen. <laughs> you don't want to ask a fisherman that's been out in the drizzle all day on that boat looking stupid, you know, when everybody's driving by. <laughs> Rain coming down. And he asked, he said to Simon Peter, have you any meat? Simon's thinking, you know, throw the net on the other side. Man, we've been fishing all day. We've tried everywhere around here, but I guess we just and threw it on the other side. And boy, they got the big load when they done that. The big load. You see, Jesus is able to make the battles of life so simple. For he will conquer for you. Let me close with these two thoughts. Moses, who was trained in all the wisdom and skill of the land of Egypt, the Bible said he supposed that God would use him because of that to lead the children of Israel out. And he tried to do it, didn't he, when he killed that Egyptian. But oh, did he flop. Why, he said, I can do it. I know I can do it. I've been trained to do it. And I, and I know I'm the only one that God can let do it. And the Lord wouldn't even help him. He flunked big time. He went off on the backside of the desert there on that mountain for 40 years. Out there all by himself, them sheep. And God came to him one day and said, Now, I want you to go down into Egypt and bring my people out. He, I tell you, he was so sick of the I can of those first 40 years when he thought that he could that he just tried to forget every bit of it and he said, Lord, I can't. And he really believed that he couldn't. He moved from the I can to the I can't. God said to him, Moses, it's not in the I can and I can't, but I want you to go in the I am. It'll get the job done. And honey, it's not in the I can or I can't tonight. It's in the I am. He can do what needs to be done in our lives. 
I remember hearing an old preacher, one of my favorite preachers, who since went to, to be with the Lord. I remember him talking about being in a meeting in a certain area. And he said he noticed that one of the ladies there was really having a hard time in that meeting. Something wrong with her, elderly lady. And so he went one day, during the day went by to visit him and the preacher. And he said to her, Sister, why don't you come to meeting tonight? And she said, Well, I, Brother Joe, I've been meeting every night. You've seen me there. He said, Well, I know you've been there physically, but he said, Honey, your heart's been somewhere else, and I want to know what's wrong. And he said, She broke down and began to cry, and she said, Brother Joe, it's my boy. Said, I've prayed for him and tried to raise him right, and said, Now he's out in sin, drinking, carousing around into wickedness and said it's about to kill me. He said, well now sister, there's not a lot you can do about that, but said we can get down here and talk to the Lord about it. Got her by the hand, said they went down that dear old sister into the floor and said they began to pray. He said about halfway through the prayer he realized that she had got a hold of the Lord. Said she got that voice back as she began to say, well praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Said she got up out on the floor and began to walk around that living room shouting, praising God. Come back to meeting all the rest of that meeting. Said she went was back to her old self, the handkerchief out and shouting, run now. She'd run into the Lord and found out he's in charge. He said he left that meeting. A couple of years later he came back through there and he stopped by an old country store talking to a fellow there that went to the church and he said to him, How's the church doing? Says, doing great. And ask him about some of the people. And then he asked him about that dear sister. Said, how's she doing? Said, oh, Joe, she's doing fine, getting old, but she's at church every service, just a shouting the roof down, praising God. He said, well, how about that boy that was giving her so much trouble? Oh, he said, Joe, hadn't you heard? He said, no. Said, about a year after you come through here, said that old boy staggered in, the church one Sunday morning and got born again. Said he's the biggest preacher now in two or three counties. God set him on fire and used him. You see, Mama had to find out that there's a captain who takes charge in the troubled times. I'm glad we can worship when the battle's on. When the battle's raging, I'm glad he'll show up. Let us know that he can handle it. Let's stand by our heads. Lord, we don't know what the hearts are going through here tonight. Would you help us to worship in the midst of our battles so that we can... We've already found out we can't. We've miserably tried. We've looked the walls round and round. and Lord, they're just too big. But would you show up as our captain so that we can find ourselves at your feet under your command and your charge, resting everything in your care, and then just watch those walls come down and shout about it. Speak to our hearts in thy name.